As a little kid, Rich Horgan doesn't remember thinking much about the differences between himself and his younger brother, Terry. But as he got older, he started to ask questions. Why does Terry have to go to the University of Cincinnati every year for treatment? Why does he seem to struggle to walk? Horgan eventually came to understand that his brother suffers from Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a fatal childhood genetic disease that impacts about 300,000 boys worldwide and is characterized by progressive muscle weakness and loss. As a teenager, Horgan became goal-oriented, not knowing what was really necessary to save his brother's life, but intent on laying some sort of foundation for success. The first step was an undergrad degree at Cornell, close to his family's upstate New York home, and then on to HBS. While here, Horgan started two organizations, a biotech company called Myofinity Bioscience and a 501c3 called Terry's Foundation for Muscular Dystrophy. With the foundation, Horgan is trying to build something radical, a model for personalizing drug development with the hopes of saving not only his brother, but countless others. Talk about your model as it exists now, because you're approaching it in two different ways. So I guess taking a step back, there's, at least in the biotech realm of the world, there's two ways you can cut the cake, so to speak. The first way is, well, I have a really cool technology that I want to apply to a problem, and that problem is not necessarily my passion. It's just my passion is the technology, not the problem. And that's a great way of doing things. You know, many really good businesses have been built upon that. The other way that's more familiar to me is saying, well, I have a problem and I need to fix it. I don't really care what technology we use. So during my time at HBS here, I started two organizations. And essentially the theme is let's take as many shots on goal as possible. Let's get capital from as many places as possible to take those shots on goal. And so I started both a 501c3 foundation, Terry's Foundation for Muscular Dystrophy, as well as a biotechnology company, Myofinity Biosciences. Those two organizations have taken two different paths. They're not connected. The 501c3 Terry's Foundation is doing something incredibly unprecedented. And what that is, it's, it's trying to develop personalized therapeutics for N equals one individuals that customize therapeutics. I mean, if you look at drug development thus far in the history of mankind, we focused a lot of our efforts on small molecules, you know, like pills that you would take every day, Lipitor, Viagra, these types of things. You also notice that the cost of those has risen significantly. The productivity out of the pipelines has decreased significantly over time. And so that begs for the question of where do we go next for treating mankind's diseases? And one of those answers was personalized therapeutics. I had the fortune of taking a class over at the other guy's school there, MIT, <laughs> and um, uh, I met a, a really great individual, Jonathan Fleming, and Jonathan Fleming and I connected, and he knew what I was about in Duchenne and trying to save my brother and the boys like him, and um, suggested that I, I meet with a researcher over at Boston Children's by the name of Tim Yu, Dr. Tim Yu. So I read up on Dr. Yu, and Dr. Yu told me about his story of Batten's disease. Batten's is not Duchenne. Batten's disease is childhood ALS, basically. And the specific form that he worked on is very rare and very fatal. You know, with the benefit of hindsight in telling the story, Dr. Yu encountered a little girl with Batten's disease who, who was in very rough shape with little to no hope and less than two years left. And so over the course of a year, Dr. Yu and his team developed a therapeutic for this little girl. Dosed her in January of 2018. And by that time, she was in quite rough shape. She had maybe a few months left. Now here we are in almost December and not only is the little girl still with us, but she's improved. And this is powerful. This is for a disease that, that is fatal. And the, the technology and the generalization of that technology is something that I honed in on and said, well, Dr. Yu, could we do this for Duchenne? And the answer was not no. The answer is never a certain yes, but it wasn't a no. And that's inspiring to be able to say, well, we can look at an individual and try to develop a therapeutic for their specific form of the disease. 
talk about where you are in terms of progress. We've had the foundation now for a bit over a year, and we didn't get oriented around this personalized medicine mission until a few months in. So more or less, we've been at this personalized medicine bit for about a year. Hmm. I have to say the progress in a year has been really strong. To take a step back and say, so what is the mission? What is the tactical plan to get this done? Is It's four phases. The first phase is the analytical phase. This is where we take a blood sample, a muscle biopsy from my brother to dive into the details of what is making you have Duchenne. We know it's a damaged protein, but we don't know where, we don't know how, we don't know is he producing any dystrophin that we can upregulate. So once we know, is there dystrophin being produced, how much, how is it being made, then we can start to say, well, we can target what's called antisense oligos. And antisense oligos in this instance would be something to bridge the gap, to try and upregulate, to make use of the silenced part of the gene. And so to use those, you have to be very specific and very targeted. Knowing where the mutations are in the gene, knowing is he producing any dystrophin, how is he producing it, informs us to be able to do computational prediction for creating a top 20 list of antisense oligos. With those, we can test them against his cell line. So as part of the biopsy in phase one, we established a cell line. And what that is, is it's taking Terry cells and basically growing them so that we can test these computationally predicted therapeutics against those cells. So remember, traditional, we test in mice, we test in dogs, we test in chimps, we test in humans. And the important caveat is that mice, dogs, chimps, none of them are humans. Some translate, a lot don't. And that's where a lot of therapeutic development is lost and is in translation. We try to bridge that gap by testing it in a humanized cell line, specifically the human that we're trying to treat. And so with this cell line, we build these predicted therapeutics drugs, you can call them, but they're not quite yet drugs. We build them, what we think will work. We test them in the cell line. That gets us down to about two or three antisense algos that will then fine tune, then test them in animals, and then move into a single patient clinical trial. That create the top 20 is, is phase two. That fine tune and test is phase three. And then phase four is, is the single patient clinical trial. So you were trying to build this new model of customized medicine, and your first proof of concept is your brother. That, that's exactly right. And the idea isn't just let's do this to save my brother. That's my life's mission. But more broadly is let's take this process, prove that it can work in a very tough case of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and then generalize the model so that somebody comes in with a son, a grandson, a brother, and says, we were diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. What do we do? Well, in that sort of future world where we've ironed out the generalized process. We say, well, we need a blood sample, we need a muscle biopsy. And then from there, we analyze, do the same thing, create their customized list of potential therapeutics that could work based on their mutation, test them, fine tune them, and then dose them. And there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to change around that, right? The, the traditional model is test in animals, test in humans. And you need, you need a lot of animals and humans to test it. The idea of a single patient clinical trial is new. It's only just begun. There's the Batten's case I spoke about. There's another case of Canavan disease that has been recently worked on and is yet to go into clinical trial, although it was expected to by early next year. And so you start to see these N equals one cases boil to the top for these really tough and fatal diseases. With that, you can say, well, we can try to generalize the process so that not every family, not every brother has to go out and raise $2 million to save their brother. You know, $2 million bucks is, in the grand scheme of things, not a ton of money. But for what we're trying to do, it's really hard. And there's no good mechanism. There's no good structure to do this yet. Pioneering 
this customized therapeutic is where we're at now. But the vision is to have a system in place, both a funding mechanism either a venture funding mechanism or in the future, more ideally, a payer mechanism, an insurance company mechanism that will provide funding for it. So you don't have to have these parents, these brothers trying to go out and, and raise a large sums of money to get this done. It's a generalized process that would eventually and ideally be covered by insurance. What have you seen so far in your experience that has given you hope at the end of the day, it's the people that give me hope that they're there for the right reasons. And, and pharma nowadays gets a lot of negative press at pricing and, and things like that. You know, it's tough to say, but I, I don't think that's characteristic of the industry. You know, I don't, I don't know what's the difference between something that's being sensationalized versus actuality. But the people at the end of the day are some of the best parts of this job. And, and the fact you're doing something no human's ever done before. No one's ever survived Duchenne muscular dystrophy, ever that's pretty powerful with the billions of dollars that have been invested into it. We're aiming to be to be that 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 difference. It's inspiring to get out of bed every morning to say, you know, what we're trying to do is literally change the world for this part of it. That's quite inspiring. How closely does Terry track your work? Uh, it's it's I it's tough to say. I, I I think he tracks it more than he than he alludes to. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, at the end of the day, it's his life, right? He's he's I'm scared for him, and and fear is a really good motivator, and a better motivator is love. And at the end of the day, you know, he wants to live, and and he should, and he's he's had his childhood robbed from him by this terrible disease. It's it's you know, it's not like a your total physical manifestation is affected by this. You, you, you lose the ability to walk. You lose the ability to, to move your hands, to, to pick things up, to feed yourself. You know, imagine that. Imagine, a, you know, a little kid suffering from that while, while other, other little kids are going around and, and playing soccer and basketball. And sort of the, the, the mental damage that you have to suffer from that is, and I can only speak on his behalf, not for him, uh, you know, from his perspective, must be huge. I know it was huge for my family, and, and for him, it, it must be all the more worse. Rich, what worries you most? The tough part about this disease and something that we didn't really talk about earlier on is the time aspect of it. With a disease that impacts people that have it so differently, time is the one factor that's consistent. These boys and young men that have this disease don't have a lot of time. The average life expectancy that they live to is 20, 25 years old. And it's not a pleasant 20 to 25 years old. Uh, you know, the other day it was unfortunate. I looked on a Duchenne Facebook page, just casually reading it, and they had a list of several boys that had recently passed away to commemorate them. One was nine years old. The, another was 23 years old. My brother's 23 years old. We don't have a lot of time to do this. The idea, circling back to our early conversation about the biotech and the nonprofit, the biotech will take eight to 10 years to get a therapeutic on the market. That's great. That'll help a lot of kids. The personalized medicine development, we're going to be done in two to three years with a single proof of concept patient. That two to three years is critical. By that time, my brother will be either 25 or 26. What we need to do is move quickly to get this done. 
we can't afford to wait until he is in a much worse situation to dose this. It's just not okay because we're not at a point in time, if we're successful enough to get there, where we can reverse the course of the disease. Right now where we're at is more of a pause with moderate improvements. And we need to get to there before we lose more because it's so much easier to retain function than it is to regain function. That's a big part of what I'm trying to do is rally folks who hear this, who hear the message around personalized therapy, who have an interest in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, personalized medicine, rare diseases, helping a kid who needs help at the base of it to say, we need support. We need to get into people that want to help support this effort because it can and will make a difference in the world. It just needs to change the world in time. For more information on Terry's Foundation for Muscular Dystrophy, visit terrysfoundationformd.org. Skydeck is produced by the External Relations Department at Harvard Business School and edited by Craig McDonald. It is available at iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. For more information or to find archived episodes, visit alumni.hbs.edu slash skydeck.